Yo, 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 everybody, what's good? This week's episode is with my dude, Steven Jaggers. He is the creator of a powerful modality called Somatic Release Breathwork. So this conversation is about breathwork, but really about so much more. It's about healing your nervous system. And fear has so much to do with this of feeling safe in your nervous system is basically everything and discussing trauma and how that weaves into everything. How do you feel it? How do you move beyond it? And so much more. So I'm excited for you to jump into this convo with Steven. Let's just get straight into it. If you haven't already, please subscribe. That would be really cool because you know all the podcasts tell you, tell you to do it. <laughs> but really do it because you feel called to. Um, leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you feel the vibe, if you feel inspired to. So this can this energy, this inspiration can be reciprocated to others who are looking for similar content to transform and heal themselves and really know that they don't need to fix themselves and to conquer, overcome, and feel and lean into fear. So if you feel that call, subscribe, follow, leave a review, share it with a friend, whatever you feel called to do. There's also a donation link via PayPal in the description. And we have a retreat coming up that you can come to. All the fun things, yo, just go to the description, the show notes, and you can find what you are looking for. (laughs) All right, y'all, love you tons. Let's get into this episode. Welcome to the Feeling Free Podcast. My name is Ben Harris, also known as the Fear Guy. My job is to help you feel more free in your life with love and relationships, self-worth, and much more. I'm happy you're here. I love you. I believe in you. Let's break free from fear together. All right, Stephen, good sir. This is the first time we are meeting, and I have a really good feeling about you. Not just in this, <laughs> just in your <laughs> smile, dude. I can tell you're um, like a good-hearted man, and not just in the sense that like you're a nice guy. But I can tell it mean. I can just truly tell, like you're a genuine dude. And so I'm happy you're here. Thank you for accepting the invitation, and I'm excited to go deeper into. I'm excited to learn. That's really, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, I know you have your own podcast and you, you want to learn from people. But today I actually am like, no, like I want to learn something about fear and the nervous system that I hopefully haven't learned before. Absolutely, brother. Yeah, it's, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago I was in Austin and and we were at the, uh, the uh, Empowered Brotherhood uh, workout and I saw you and I was like, oh, man, I, this guy either looks familiar or I need to chat with him. It's just kind of <laughs> one of those magnetism. So I'm glad you reached out and I'm, I, I'm looking forward to this podcast. And I can tell you that every time I podcast with somebody, that's always my goal is to just try to, you know, um, pull out and alchemize as much information from them as I can. Dude, I love it. So give people just so they know who they're listening to (laughs) usually we're just going to dive right in but what's just what's like a brief introduction of your 3d world reality of what you do yeah so you just told me you have so many yeah you have so many different modalities and you know yeah that's a that's kind of a hard question without a little bit of backstory um you know i have been a, a neuromuscular body worker for about eight, nine, nine years. I don't know. We'll just call it 10. 
<laughs> I feel like it's been a decade, man. When you say uh, a decade, it makes you sound more like I know, experienced right? too. Yeah, so I've been a, I've been a, uh, yeah, a veteran body worker for a decade <laughs> here. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, my background is that, you know, I'm an, I'm an only child. Uh, my parents growing up were, um, they were heavily addicted to, uh, hard drugs, like street drugs. Your and, whole life? Like- yeah. From probably from before I was born, um, and specifically meth, Wow. A lot of other um, hard street drugs. And I, you know, they, they ended up moving to Arizona when I was about four and uh, they, you know, started a new life and got clean from those street drugs. And, and my dad started a business and tried to switch their life around. And, and they were both, um, they switched to prescription medications. And I just knew from a young child that there was something, there was something off, there was something wrong there. And I just had this awareness. I just knew as a child, you know, I could tell, and I always wanted to just help my parents in some sort of way. I think when we're young, we kind of take, we take it on, you know, there are caretakers and when something's wrong, we feel it so deeply internally. And, uh, you know, through high school, I was always very physically active and played lots of sports. Love that. I always, I also was really fascinated on psychology and I think that's from my parents. And so I originally went to school for, um, psychology and also physical therapy. I couldn't decide which one I wanted to do. I was studying addiction psychology and also physical therapy. Cool. And I ended up, uh, dropping out because I would just could not focus on books. I'm such a hands-on, uh, kinesthetic learner that I just, and I was, I was young, I was fucking off too. Um, but I, I, you know, I dropped out of college was working and then I ended up getting kind of a corporate job, human resources. I worked as a human resources executive for two years and I hated it. And thank mm-hmm. God I did that. Cause I found out very quick. And then I found this school that, um, taught all these different holistic modalities. And I was kind of going through my own spiritual awakening, uh, if you will, stuff that was, you know, I was always, I always had this just kind of awareness, um, but it was some things that were pretty prevalent to me. So I went to school for body work, specifically trauma release, body work, neuromuscular body work, um, somatic release style body work. Um, I've studied all different types from, you know, Eastern energetic philosophy to Western, um, you know, traditional sports therapy and stuff. And I ended up becoming an instructor there and, and taught every, everything from kinesiology to energetic anatomy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I did that for a long time and, you know, the past couple years, I've really been delving into more of breath work and how, uh, breathing specifically, uh, controls the nervous system. And, uh, you know, I, I always consider myself a body worker. Um, and I would watch people's breath and their breathing and, and if they are holding their breath and how far that I can take them and is their system responding to anything that I'm doing. And the breath is always the number one way to tell, um, mm. what someone's system is or how someone's system is receiving, um, if they're able to go deeper, if they're not, uh, so then I, I, you know, I really consider myself a breath worker first now a body worker second. So that gives you a little bit of background. <laughs> 
Well, dude, I love it. So tell me, because you have all these different backgrounds, and obviously breathwork is a popular thing now, right? Trendy yeah. a little bit. So, right. So for you who has, you know, a depth of knowledge and experience in other things, why, why is breathwork trendy? And then why is also breathwork deeper than that? Yeah. So there's, there's lots of different types of breathwork mm -hmm. and breathing is something that we, <laughs> we have to do. And it's the only, <laughs> it's the only body rhythm that we do both consciously and unconsciously. So it's like, you know, it's, you can think about it right now and you can take a breath or you cannot think about it. And we're still going to have this conversation and still breathe mm -hmm. at the same time. So it really is that bridge between the conscious, you know, being conscious, aware of things and our unconscious. And it, it, there's so many different types out there and they're all good for different things. Uh, and we can get into that. Um, it is definitely trending. And I think a lot of people have a misunderstanding and there's a lot of other science that's coming out for different types of breath work, mm. but breathing is literally the number one thing that can control our nervous system. And the nervous system is our electrical system. It is the chakra system, if you will. And, um, our nervous system is basically the bridge between the mind and body. And I think a lot of these modalities that we're trying to use is we, we are trying to bridge the gap between mind and body and, un, and have an understanding. Mm -hmm. And when we have control over our nervous system, we can um, use the breath to uh, change our state. And also yeah. there's a lot of, there's a lot of different things. I mean, I would consider there's two different styles of breath work. I, I would divide them up into two categories. There's sort of the over breathing types of breath work, and there are the under breathing types of breath work where you know, the under breathing is more CO2 tolerance training. Um, a lot of the kind of Buteco or XPT training or oxygen advantage. Um, these things are focusing on actually breathing less and absorbing more oxygen, um, which is incredible for athletic performance, um, and incredible for our day-to-day -day life. And there's a huge popularity that's booming within the like holotropic style breath work, which is, you know, very hard, fast breathing for a long time. And also, you know, I would consider like Wim Hof is an over breathing exercise. Uh, and when you are doing that, you are, a lot of people will say that you're hyper oxygenating the system when you're taking in that much air, but you're actually not because for us to absorb oxygen, we need a certain ratio of CO2 to oxygen for us to actually absorb it. And when you are taking in a ton of oxygen, um, you are depleting your CO2 levels. So you're actually not really absorbing that oxygen. You're actually, um, starving the body of oxygen weird uh, but what happens within these like holotropic style breath works is that when you are breathing heavily for extended periods of time you are telling your nervous system that you are in a trauma state yeah <laughs> like you are literally uh when someone's breathing <sighs> over and over and over question. like that you are um telling your physiology that 
<laughs> you are stressed out and you are, you know, your body thinks that you're being chased by a bear right now or something. Um, you are in a, a state, a physiological state of trauma, which can be beneficial if, you know, and this is why it's so important to have a practitioner that really knows what they're doing. Um, mm -hmm. because we're taking you into a state of trauma, which can further yeah. trauma as well. Yeah. Um, but it also can give people the opportunity to discharge, uh, different nervous system defense systems that have laid dormant within their body uh, for long periods of time. And it's, and, and you, you kind of open up this portal with people, they're in a safe space and they're, they're, they're going into a trauma state and therefore they have the opportunity to, on a physical level, on an animal cellular level discharge, um, a lot of those nervous system defense systems, um, that took place in, in a trauma state that we probably didn't release, uh, when we are in that state of trauma to begin with, because usually when someone, uh, you know, undergoes something that's traumatic. And I think that defining that word trauma probably would be helpful too. um, trauma is not necessarily the actual thing that's happening to you. It's what's happening inside of you based on the thing that's happening to you. And what's happening inside of you is a sort of trauma response. And it's an innate intelligent response that keeps us safe. And so most of us, um, are when we undergo something traumatic, uh, our response is to, you know, either shut down or to dissociate or to fight or to, you know, there's so many different ways or to yell or to scream or to cry or to, have some sort of energetic movement through the body. And most of us just kind of, we hold our breath and mm -hmm. we just like throw it on, you know, throw it on our back. And then, so, which can be very helpful in the moment, but those defense system don't, those defense systems don't just go away. The thing that helped you in the moment becomes the thing later on down the line that is actually uh, it's, it's depleting you from being able to be present in your life with your relationships or to be able to make decisions that are not fear-based. Yep. Um, and so within these deep over-breathing breathwork techniques, you're actually kind of, um, taking people into a trauma state and giving them the opportunity to discharge it. And then hopefully taking them from that active state back to a relaxed state, at the end. And there's so many nuances within that as well. Um, that I think that within this holotropic style breath work, uh, popularity, I think it's also booming because it does take people into quite a psychedelic state as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the, the, you know, the psychedelic realms are obviously booming as well too. So mm -hmm. it's a tool and knowing when to use it is the most powerful piece because any tool can be a medicine or a poison. Yep. at any time. And it's knowing, <laughs> it's knowing when and why and actually how and what is going on. Um, it's, it's so important. Dude, thank you. So you mentioned earlier, you were talking about, and I know just, you know, plug in your podcast, you know, the whole mind body connection, mind body mentor, right? That's your podcast. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. That's a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> So which I think is so important, and I know I'm speaking from personal experience, and I know so many other people relate to it, um, our 
culture is so heady, right? It's yeah. so logical and it makes sense because whether you're on social media or reading a book or listening to a podcast, even this, right, is yeah, it's it's logical. Like we're only speaking like, oh, that makes sense. Oh, that makes sense. And so will you talk more about um, like that's necessary? I'm not saying. Yeah, stuff, yeah. You know, but can you talk about how to like inform and connect the body and how important the body is and actually not just thinking about it, but making that connection? Yeah, man, that's my mission. That's my mission here. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. We live in a mentally dominant culture. Uh, and that's, and, and you could say that the field of mental health specifically is failing us because it doesn't really have a full understanding. It's not about just mental health. It's about mind body health mm -hmm. and understanding that they are so intrinsically, um, interconnected. And we have truly, I think this is part of it is that we have forgotten that we are, we are fucking animals yeah. <laughs> as humans. We are animals and we, you know, we do some pretty cool shit, like have podcasts and create <laughs> microphones and have all these cool lights and computers and all these things that are incredibly, um, uh, mentally taxing and, and, uh, a product of our mental capacity. Um, but we've forgotten uh, how much of a, a, um, an animalistic being we are, meaning mm -hmm. that our, our bodies are that of an animal. And for thousands and thousands of years, um, our body's response system is first, it's first of our body. And there is more intelligence in your body than your mind could ever rationally think of. Like you are repairing each one of your cells every day and you are digesting your food and you are you know, beating your heart. And there's so much going on inside of your body that is so much more intelligent than your mind could ever fathom um, that, that we forget that. Yeah. Well, you even like, Cause what is it even like just our, I mean, everything about our body, but something about organs, right. Of even just the intelligence, like it has a mind of its own or like, Oh just, yeah. You know? Oh yeah. I mean, so we are body centered beings first and I'll specifically get into this and how this is uh, applicable with traumas and stress specifically is that when something traumatic or something stressful happens to us, um, we respond off of our instincts first and instincts are not something that you think about. <laughs> yeah. So we have an instinctual response, you know, something happens. My instinct is to fight this person or my instinct is to run or my instinct is whatever, um, instinctual response that has been passed down in instinctual responses are for our own personal survival. So whatever it takes to survive, that's the first thing I will do. And I'm not even thinking about it. I'm, it's not like, I'm like, okay, I need to survive. I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this. It's no, it's just like that it's instinctual. And so after our instinctual response, we start to have an emotion around it. We start to have a feeling, you know, I feel scared. I feel courageous. I feel, um, there's some sort of feeling that comes through and, 
And also, I don't think we fully understand feelings because we've tried to compartmentalize them into words, mm -hmm. which there is a full spectrum of feelings. Um, and we can get into that another time, but, um, but yeah, so we instinct first, we secondly have an emotional feeling around whatever, whatever came up instinctually. And only lastly, do we actually think about it? Do we actually create a story in our head? Oh, you know, I don't feel safe in my house anymore. Oh, I don't feel safe around men anymore, you know, or, or this is just how the world is or this is just how I am, you know? And then, so that starts to skew our story and the perception of we have, that we have about ourselves and that we have about the world. And all of the, that, that story was from an instinctual response and an emotional response first. And those instinctual and emotional responses are not of the mind, they're of the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. And like, and you, when you were talking about stress, when I tell people that, you know, stress is fear, they don't, I have to explain it because like a stress response, right, is fear. So we talk about how we actually talk about when your body, you mentioned earlier about the nervous system, right? How it's, you could say the chakra system or the electrical what do you say wiring or it's like so one ex explain the nervous system exactly what it is like what it what the function of it is and then two when we go into fight or flight and we receive trauma or stress or fear like what is actually happening inside of our body yeah so on a fundamental level our as humans we are you know we are looking to survive and we are looking for new adaptive patterns um, to survive. And then, so fundamentally, we are looking for new adaptive patterns. And that's where stress and trauma and these, those things are guaranteed in our life. You know, those <laughs> yeah. things are, um, they're not bad per se. You know, those are the things that can cause us to grow, to overcome. If we find the new adaptive response to it. So your nervous system is your electrical system in your body. It, you know, sends and receives messages from your mind to your body and controls all of the glandular and organ function and muscular function throughout your body. And it also, um, it also embeds patterns. Like you have, uh, neural kinetic patterns, meaning like neural, meaning, you know, your brain, um, or your myelination and kinetic meaning movement. So you have these brain body movement patterns embedded, or you have these, you know, your nervous system is basically the, uh, pattern recognition system within your body. Um, and so, you know, we, first of all, we, we are looking for new adaptive patterns to survive. So when something, uh, stressful happens to us, uh, we, we have a response because remember trauma and mm -hmm. stress, they're not the things that are happening to us. They're the things that are happening inside of us. And the stress response is, or the trauma response is, it's a defense mechanism and it's an intelligent defense mechanism yes. and our ability to 
So my my good friend Eric Godsey, which you probably know him. Um, I know. Yeah, Eric's know, been on he, here too. Okay. Yeah. So you know, he says trauma, and I don't know where he got this from. Maybe he came up with it himself. But trauma <laughs> is a trauma is a question to the to the organism, and meaning that the question unanswered creates symptoms. The question answered creates growth. So when something stressful or traumatic happens to us and we, you know, our defense system comes up and we, you know, develop these, uh, triggers or, um, whatever pattern it is, we can go into the different types. Um, if we learn to overcome those patterns and we find the new adaptive pattern that becomes growth, Mm -hmm. uh, we, meaning we overcame it. Now we, can be in that same circumstance and we don't have that stress response anymore. So there's a certain sort of resiliency that comes in because everyone has a different sort of capacity, if you will. Um, and trauma and stress are subjective. What's stressful to me Mm -hmm. might not be stressful to you based on your capacity and we all or think are born into this world with a different sort of capacity. Um, and then also what we've gone through as a, as a, as a child and through our developmental years creates our capacity, um, to actually be resourced enough to, to not have a response or to be able to move it through us in some sort of way. And so when, when we like, I, I use the metaphor, like a memory card. All of, uh, all of us are like memory cards. And if you think of a human as a memory card, we go throughout our life and we have different stressful and traumatic things happen to us. Um, and we start to develop these triggers and these defense systems that are embedded within us, not on a mental level. We're not thinking about it. It's embedded on a nervous system level. Mm. So those things start to create our reality for us, which I'll get into as well. Um, but so your memory card starts to fill up with all these different defense systems. And so you only have so much capacity that you can handle. And when your memory card fills up, you have, you know, a little bit of free space in there. That's that free space is what you are able to operate in your world from a conscious place. Mm-hmm from a, from a place of creating who I actually want to be from a place of having enough, um, attention and enough, uh, capacity to, you know, play with my kids or, uh, or, you know, spend time with my girlfriend or so when your memory card is full and you have all these nervous system defense systems, these triggers just embedded within you that are not on a mental level that are on a nervous system level. Those things are the things that are starting to operate from your system and make decisions for you Mm -hmm. because those triggers, those defense systems are embedded on a nervous system level. And they're not something that you're thinking about consciously over and over again. It's not like, Oh, I'm going to get triggered at my girlfriend right now. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to get, I'm going to, you know, fly off the handle at my parents or something. Those things are, are not what we're not thinking about those. Those are, those intelligent response that helped us cope with something in the past, but we never actually had a, a, a proper way to discharge them on a physical, on a body level. So then those things start to continue to make decisions for us and create our reality for us. And that starts to become our fate, 
or destiny? So the question is, right, well, how do you reset or reprogram the memory card, aka the nervous system? And I'd be I'd be curious, you know, whether you give like yeah, a general answer. One more time, brother. Oh, so how do you reset or re reprogram the memory card, right? Like how do you reprogram like I love that metaphor too. So how do you pers I would like to know maybe generally or just something specific from you. What have you been able to reprogram through your somatic work? Yeah, I think that well, there's a lot of pieces to it. There's a lot of pieces to it. And there's a couple different models and, um, it really all depends on where you are at because we need to, for, for you to like prescribe yourself, any sort of, um, program or any, any sort of medicine, you could think of all these different techniques. And like I said, knowing when to use a specific tool is more important than the tool itself. Mm. So knowing where you're at and you could think of our nervous system, which this is kind of an outdated model, um, because there's a lot of more nuances to it. Um, but you could think of your nervous system as a duality, if you will, you know, you have the sympathetic, you know, state where you are in this heightened state, um, of fight or flight and of go, go, go and doing, 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 and probably anxiety, or you, you know, you're, you're in some, um, some, or you are on the other side of the spectrum where you are in this kind of parasympathetic, where you are in rest and digest. Maybe you spend too much time there. You're lethargic. Maybe you have depressive tendencies. Maybe you just can't get going and just feel like you just don't have, you have a lack of fire. And so there's positive and negative traits with each side of those mm -hmm. and knowing kind of where you fall on the spectrum. Like, do you find yourself as more of a kind of go, go, go person? Um, or do you find yourself more as a like relaxed, chill, depressive? And a lot of the times like life is movement and life is change and health is the ability to choose. It's the ability to choose. I'm going to go out and do something and I'm going to go get shit done. Or, and then I'm going to go back home and I'm going to relax and turn it off. Most of us get stuck in one of those different nervous mm. system states um, where we get stuck in fight or flight and we're in go, go, go mode all the time. And then we end up getting sick and we yep. get forced. We get, we get flung, flung to the other side of the spe spectrum and then we get forced into timeout. It's like a forced sickness. It's like, okay, you actually have to spend time resting and taking care of yourself now. Or people that get stuck in like lethargy or a depressive state where they don't feel like they feel like they don't have a lot of fire they get stuck there and then that energy starts to kind of build up in them and they feel like oh fuck i need to do something i need to do something and then it's like uh, i start to feel this anxiety and then they just like explode into the um sympathetic state of of anxiety so you know it's it's really health is the ability to choose and to be able to flow through those states throughout our daily life and to be able to choose. I'm going to go get something done. Okay. I'm going to relax. I'm going to go get something done. I'm going to relax. And those are 
nervous system states or electrical states of your body and being able to have conscious choice over your nervous system. And that's, that's also the thing is developing conscious choice on, on your instinctual and emotional responses. So there's, there's a lot of nuance here, but there's a few different ways to kind of work with your nervous system. And a lot of them are to figure out ways to become more resilient and, you know, stress and trauma are not the things that are happening to you. It's what's happening inside of you. So you are responsible. You are 100% responsible for all of the responses that go on in you. You are response able. And are you able to choose the response? And that's the thing, or is it just a, a trigger or an unconscious response? Um, so I think that in our culture, we've dealt with mental health and a lot of health issues from a top down sort of model. Mm -hmm. You know, we've looked at things on a mental level. We've tried to, you know, let's fix someone's mindset. And if we can fix someone's mindset, then, you know, that'll go into them making better choices on eating healthier Mm -hmm. and doing all these things. When we, we fully don't understand that someone's mindset, a lot of the times they're not thinking about what they're doing. You know, they're not, they're being ruled by these unconscious triggers that are not of the mind. They're of the nervous system of the body. So we have this top down model, which can be helpful from a lot of people, you know, starting with the mind going down into the body, you know, and then working on the body, working on the nutrition, working on all of those things. Um, I have found that in our culture, since we are a mentally dominant culture, it's a lot more helpful from us to go from a bottom up model where we work with the physical body. We work with the somatic intelligence. And for those that don't know what somatic means, somatic means of the body in relationship to the mind. So somatic means kind of the felt sense of the body and developing sensitivity. So our somatic sensation is our birthright. I talked with Rick about this, you know, it's, it's our, we come into this world, a clean slate where we feel, we are here to feel everything. We are here to feel the full spectrum of this emotional and human existence. That's our birthright. You know, we feel the lowest of lows, we feel the highest of highs, and we can fluctuate through those. And so when we go about our life and we actually don't fully feel things and fully let things play out and discharge them, which I'll talk about different ways to discharge them, um, then we actually beat those defense systems and those triggers kind of numb us numb us from feeling uh, a certain thing, you know, numb us from feeling sad, numb us from feeling angry. And then if we numb ourselves on the lower half of the, the spectrum, we start to numb ourselves on the higher half of the spectrum. And then we've numbed our somatic sensation, our actual feeling. And then we live in the mind. We live mm-hmm. in this rational place, trying to make rational sense over yeah. things. And if you've ever lived with a woman, you know, if you try to rationalize emo- <laughs> emotions, it doesn't work. That's <laughs> um, true. <laughs> so sorry if I got out, off on a tangent there, um, but this bottom up model. So we're working with 
instinctual responses and emotional responses and creating, first of all, since we're working for it with instinctual responses, healing happens in the presence of an empathetic witness. And what that, that's a quote from Bessel van der Kolk from uh, the body keeps the score. Uh, meaning that healing happens in relationship with another human, um, via co-regulation of our nervous system. If my nervous system is in an erratic state and I go and work with somebody that can co-regulate with my nervous system and meet me where I'm at and take me to a regulated state, we are communal beings, meaning that a lot of our a lot of our issues a lot of our wounding happens in relationships it happens from other humans and therefore healing happens in relationship as well it happens in the presence of other humans and and you know the whole idea of self help is it's it's non-existent we we actually need each other mm. um so having community for balancing our instinctual and emotional processes is huge. Having a safe container for us to discharge whatever sort of expression that needs to come through us. And so I use this sort of metaphor. Stress is pressure on your system. If I were to stress you, I'm putting pressure on you. And whether or not you can handle that pressure is based on your own capacity and your based. Can you lift that weight or not, you know, based on how much training you've had. So stress is pressure. How do you find ways to get rid of the pressure? You have to X the pressure. You have to find ways to express, to express yourself. Some of the most stressed out people, people in the world have found ways to channel that into different sort of expressions, whether that's some of the greatest music of all time, the most beautiful art businesses that have helped tons of people, whether it's movement, whether it's dance. And we have lots of different ways of expressing ourselves as humans, but we are designed to express something happens to us. We have to find ways to move it through on a first body level, on an emotional level and on a mental level as well. And if we don't express, then we end up suppressing. Mm. And when we suppress, we become depressed, repressed until it starts to physically densify and calcify into a sort of dis-ease of energy moving through our nervous system. So we've basically <sighs> cut off parts of the electrical circuitry within our, within our nervous system, within our body, within our felt sensation, that is our birthright. And I like how you brought in like the express piece because I, I think I heard or saw something, you know how like when a dog runs into something or whatever, it just like shakes its head. Oh yeah. yeah. Right. And I'm sure you know, so isn't that like they're actually expressing or like releasing this experience yeah. they just had? Yeah. And that's the thing is that we need to understand that we are animals. Mm -hmm. And if you look at animals in nature and what's the first thing that they do when something stressful happens to them, they shake it off. They move their fucking body and they find ways to express their body. So shaking, moving, 
that physical energetic discharge of, you know, I can say for myself, when I was having very stressful times as a kid, um, I always loved physical activity. I always loved going to the gym. I love playing sports. You know why? Because it literally was a channel for me to get that energy out of my body. And it was also something that put me in a state where I'm not thinking of the future. I'm not mm. thinking of the past. I'm there right now in my body, expressing this energy through my body. So we, we absolutely have to, when, when something stress or traumatic happens to us, we first have to find ways to express it through our physical body, whether that's shaking, whether that's screaming, whether that's crying, whether that's yelling, whether that's laughing, whether that's just feeling full on ecstasy, ecstasis through our, through our body, we have to find a safe container to be able to express that and discharge that on a physiological level. Because what happens when we have that sort of discharge is that there is a signal that's sent from the body to the nervous system that says, when we have that discharge, when we shake, you know, if you see the animals in nature, um, and they've just gone undergone something incredibly traumatic, they shake. And that shaking is the sign from the body to the nervous system saying that the stressor is not there anymore. And that I can go back to my normal state of reality. I can move, I I've, I've moved it off of myself and now I can just go back. And what happens when we don't physically discharge it, that signal never gets sent. So the physical body still thinks that it's being chased by a tiger, mm -hmm. still thinks that it's in a state of fear. So then we begin operating from that fear state over and over and over again. And we make decisions based on fear and decisions based on fear, are not expansive, not, you know, they're not manifesting your greatest reality. That's for sure. <laughs> I know that very well, sir. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, um, we all, we all do. So mm -hmm. I'll say one more piece on that. Having a, a, a route to physically express, um, whatever, whatever's coming out, like your body, just moving your body, having a route to emotionally express whatever's coming through you, having a safe, non-judgmental space, which is so hard to find nowadays. Mm -hmm. And that is what I spend so much time working with practitioners to develop it because it's not, you're not, it's not something that you're going to tell people when they're coming to you. Oh, you're in a safe space here. <laughs> it's like, it's like what's actually being radiated from your electrical system. My nervous system is either telling your nervous system, Hey, I'm yeah. safe here or I'm not safe here. It's not your nervous system is picking up all of the information of the space. And if I feel so safe in my body, if I feel so just comfortable in my body, this other person is going to feel safe in their body as well. And if I, what I say is that I take my nervous system into a state where I am honoring the innate intelligence of life itself. Life knows what it's doing. If you look at, I have so many plants in my room, all of these plants are growing. They, they know exactly what they're doing. Your body, you know, you're growing this beautiful beard right now. Your hair is growing. <laughs> you're repairing yeah. yourself. 
on a cellular level, your body knows exactly what it's mm -hmm. doing. And when I am operating from this state of just like you, there's so much intelligence co uh, coursing through every cell of your being right now, just me having that radiated from my nervous system, um, their nervous system starts to pick up on that. And therefore they don't think that they are broken and they need to be fixed. Boom. So it's switching the paradigm of trying to fix someone from being broken to honoring them that they, their innate intelligence, their body intelligence, their instinctual and emotional intelligence knows exactly what it needs to do. It just needs a reminder and it needs a safe space to be able to let that move through them. And then after that, after we've worked with physical movement of the body, the physical expression, the emotional expression, then we can start to work with the story and the mindset and rewriting the stories that they tell themselves about themselves. And you'll notice so many times after people have a physical discharge, after people have a good cry, a good laugh, their mind is in such a clearer state that they're, they're, they're able to, they have more capacity on their memory card to actually have conscious awareness around the stories that they tell themselves about the world, about themselves. And yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of my technique. I love that dude. And it's cool. We could get into a conversation of like the whole quote unquote system, right. Of like wants to keep that memory called full memory card full. So you can make, you know, Oh yeah. You don't, so you don't have space to make conscious decisions. Yeah. Um, and I want to come, I want to ask about fear, but first, because you were talking about, you know, discharging the physical, emotional, and then the story part of it. For me, I've actually started to consciously, like, choose, like, something in the moment happens. Like, um, not like, I mean, it could be an argument. It could just be something that's, like, a lower, you know, what some people would say, like, lower t traumatic or, like, a trigger yeah. or something. Then I will consciously choose. Like, I am saying it in my mind. But whether it's even a shower or a workout or a sh like like shaking, like I will actually choose and say out loud, I choose to release this arc right now, because yeah. like I've been aware of me storing those on my memory card, and I like say out loud and like release it and wash it off me and move it through me. What are ways that you personally do that? Yeah, well, I think all of us are different, you know, and it's really important mm -hmm. to understand that, and it's important to understand that we all have different routes of expression, you know, and different tools and resources to move that through us. And that's the thing is that we live in a incredibly fragile world. We've become very, very fragile. And so stress and trauma, like those things are guaranteed within our life. And we live in a pretty cush life nowadays in the U S in the United mm -hmm. States, you know, and things happen to us. And, um, a lot of people don't have capacity to deal with things. And so that, um, the fragility creates those stress responses, those fear responses. And so doing hard shit is absolutely <laughs> necessary to, um, overcome and to grow. There's a really interesting, and I'll answer your question. Sorry if I'm getting on a soapbox here. Um, there's a really interesting concept, and I think this is very important for listeners to hear. It's the concept of reenactment. 
and reenactment is, you know, I, I, you could say this on a soul level, if you wanted to get metaphysical, or you could say this on just a, um, a, um, a genetic level or an evolutionary level where someone undergoes something traumatic, something stressful, and their, their defense system is activated. The trigger is activated. They're going to, their nervous system or their soul, you could say, is going to start calling in those same situations over and over and over again. They're going to start to reenact those because your body is striving for homeostasis. It doesn't want to have those defense systems. So it's going to call in as many of those circumstances until you actually find that new adaptive response, till you actually uh, figure out ways to grow from it, till you actually figure out a way to overcome it. And we've all seen those people that are in, you know, um, abusive relationships or, or, or negative relationships where they just hop from relationship to relationship, but it actually ends up being the same type of person over and over and over again until they found a way to say no, or until they found a way to, you know, find that new adaptive response. And so we are striving for homeostasis and we are striving for growth. Life is in all ways. And for me personally, there's lots of different ways. I, for me, I am such a kinesthetic body centered person that I have to have physical activity. And I think it's absolutely incredible what's going on there in Austin with all the brothers and the workouts, you know, and having a safe space for us to actually just go get primal and move our bodies and like have support from our brothers. And then we go into emotional stuff too. And I think that that is so powerful for men specifically, but for everyone to have those sort of community centered activities that allow us to move our body, that allows us to discharge a lot of the shit and allows us to hold a sacred space for, for people to feel as well too. So I think that's absolutely incredible. Having a solid community having is number one because healing happens in community. Trauma happens in community as well, but healing happens in community as well. So having a strong community of, of people is number one, I think, before everything else. Um, we are communal beings. We are here to connect. Um, and so that really helps me regulate my immune system or my nervous system um, is having other strong and, and also sensitive people around me as well. Um, different sort of physical, uh, um, strength training, I think is so important to physically push my body through different hard things so that I grow my capacity on a nervous system level and not just like moving heavy weight, but different things that really get me to move in new, uh, new movement patterns, you know, new neural kinetic movement patterns that not only challenge my brain, but challenge my body. And, uh, you know, that's why I got into like steel mace flow a lot. I, I really love that. Cause it was, uh, um, an endless amount of, uh, uh, physical exertion, but also, uh, creativity and expression combined with that. Um, so that was personally a, a very helpful tool, uh, that helped me be just be 100% in the moment in my body, creating 
and also uh, discharging and pushing myself a little bit. Um, cold therapy mm-hmm. is absolutely something that is probably my favorite too, as well. Me too. Um, that <laughs> just will absolutely reset your electrical system and will also teach you how to be comfortable in an uncomfortable situation, um, which is so important. And, you know, I said expression is absolutely the way, uh, but we have to find healthy routes of expression. And that's even more important because we can't just like, you know, something comes up and express all over our partner. You know, we have to like, (laughs) we have to find healthy routes of expression and we have to be able to like something stressful and, and traumatic happens to us. We have to be able to internalize it for a moment, feel it to its fullest, let it move through us and then find a resourced and healthy way to move it through us. And that's where these community groups that allow people that are just creating a safe and, um, you know, even my breath work classes for people, it's just a safe container for people to express whatever the fuck is coming up, you know, and the breath is the driving force that allows them to kind of, uh, go into it even further. Those are some of the techniques I love playing pickleball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's been my, uh, that's kind of been an outlet for me lately because it allows me to, um, move my body, puts me in a flow state. I'm not thinking about anything else besides being here in the moment. I'm competitive. And I think healthy competition is something that is so important. Um, because I think that we live in a competitive world. If you look at nature, it is it is competitive. And if we don't know how to handle competition, right. Too, um, that can be very detrimental to our being, meaning that if I don't know how to handle competition, um, and I get hard on myself or I tell myself I suck or like, there's two ways to go with that competition. It's like, you can use that, you know, if someone's better than you at something, it can be the thing that, that causes you to strive to grow to the next level. And so we can, you know, continue to lift each other up through, uh, competitive practices, through healthy competitive practices as well. Um, and yeah, that's, that's been kind of my routes, but there's no like real right answer. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what I love that you, I appreciate you touching on that because there is it like, you know, you've touched on all these tools. There is no right one way for everyone. Right. It's really like you have the answers you've you already mentioned, which I, you know, talk about that as you don't need to be fixed. It's like, ultimately you already have the answers inside of you. It's just like you tapping into that. I'm curious with your practice, how have you seen like, cause I would even say there's a balance of doing like hard shit because like, I agree. And then sometimes though, for me, it has turned into to another thing to achieve at. Yeah, absolutely. Or, and, and I, I imagine there's something even with masculine and feminine, like, yeah, right. Yeah. Because a lot of women, um, right there, our culture over masculine, you know, like, and it depends who you are again, right. It, it's an all depends thing, but generally speaking is we have over feminized men recently and yeah. then over masculinized women. Right. And it's like work, 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 work. And then it's like, when your body, your heart, your dharma, your purpose, whatever you want to call that, 
like me and my partner actually before this podcast we had um a call with my my mentor and he does a lot of things but he's an astrologer and so he was touching base of how like um we were just talking about how in her chart she has a lot of my partner she has a lot of um masculine placements i think like five or six masculine um signs but her north node which is you know her purpose and evolution in this life is to be to soften into her feminine and to like truly expand into that yeah and so i'm curious with all of that said of what have you noticed like the difference of expressions with the Mm -hmm. masculine and feminine yeah and doing hard shit means doing the thing that you're not good at a lot of the time and sometimes (laughs) that can be relaxing i know for a lot of people it's really hard to relax so having like a relaxation practice is so important um and it's so funny that we have to practice it relaxing as some of us do we do yeah (laughs) i mean for myself i'm like a very active person and when it comes to relaxation and and um just resting and those sort of practices slowing down is hard for me and i have to practice that because the more holistic that we can become the more full spectrum that we can become the more sensitive you know i think that sensitivity is looked at as weakness and that word just means to be full of sense it means to be Mm. full of sensory awareness And the more that we can become a full spectrum being where I can, like I can fully exert myself or I can feel the highest of highs. I can fully relax myself. I can feel the lowest of lows. Um, I can, you know, even touch with my partner specifically. Like I can be very physical and very primal, but can I be very energetic and very soft Mm -hmm. as well too? Um, And that takes practice and doing the thing that's hard for us and, and how we know, first of all, all of these different tools, breath work, meditation, yoga, all of these practices, they're self inquiry practices to actually know where we're at. Like you have to know where you're at to then know what's the thing that I need to do. You have to be very honest with yourself. Am I a male that has a lot of feminine tendencies? Maybe I need to go like push myself and, you know, do some primal shit. Maybe I'm a a man that's incredibly masculine and I'm not, you know, open to feminine things. Maybe I need to just practice receiving from my partner. I need to, you know, be, uh, practice being a little bit more submissive or something, you know, um, and, or maybe, you know, you're a female and you have a lot of masculine tendencies and maybe you need to soften and go, you know, spend time, you know, maybe I'm a, a person who physically exerts myself a lot and I should try doing like something artistic, like drawing or finding other routes of expression. And it's all about becoming more resourced within yourself. How many different resources do you have to be a full spectrum being? How many different resources do you have to deal with the shit that you're going through? How many tools do you have in your tool belt? And that's, that's really what it's about. And first of all, you have to be honest where you're at in the moment. 
and then look at your tool bag and be like, okay, I've been going hard for months now. It's time for me to do some internal work. And I think that especially in kind of the spiritual community and the self and the, you know, self-development community, um, we are, I think I was talking to Hallie Rose, you know, her, um, yeah, we, I know she, Hallie. Was, she used the term, uh, spirit, spiritual masochist and, or personal <laughs> growth masochist yep. where we, uh, we kind of want to continue to just throw the next hardest challenge at ourselves, or we want to continue to do a ton of shadow work over and over and over again, where it's like, okay, like we need to like do the shadow work or put ourselves through something. And then we actually need to integrate and learn from it and then go about and live our life for a little while. And just like, just live our life. We don't need to constantly throw ourselves into the next ayahuasca ceremony, yeah. you know, or the next breathwork journey. Like <laughs> we don't need to do that. Good. Yeah. We don't need to do that all the time. Like go deep, do the inner work and then come out and live your life. And then continue to do your self-inquiry practices, continue to do your different expressions, live your life. And then you'll know when it's time to go back in based on how connected you are to yourself. And that's a huge piece within being a practitioner of any sort, being able to show up for anybody else is you have to know what is self and what is other. Mm. Like you have to know, even in relationship, we become enmeshed. Yeah, we don't know if it's my shit or if it's her shit. And if we don't know, then we can't actually hold space for somebody. And just on social media, I mean, right. It's like, I've definitely felt that just like, oh my God, like all these opinions, it's just like, I've just like turned it off. Yeah. I think it's important. And I'm, I'm the same too. Like we, we live in a very interesting time right now where we're able to hear about tragic things going on in Afghanistan or tragic things going on in North Korea. And you know, we, we had our bodies, our genetic evolutionary bodies, um, were not designed to be able to handle that. Interesting. Where, where we, our bodies are designed to handle what's going on in our immediate world in front of us. So when we hear about something going on across the world, that's absolutely tragic. I think most humans we feel a sort of responsibility to that. We feel a sort of like, we want to help. We don't want to see people suffer. And it's very hard for us because we actually, you know, in the moment we can't do anything about it. And so we take that, we take the world weight of the world on, on our shoulders. And we literally take that on, on a nervous system level. Yep. And so we, we live in a very interesting time where we can hear it. We live in a global world where we can hear about all of these things going on. And we actually, our bodies are not designed to take on the weight of the world. They're designed to deal with our immediate reality. So we have to become like very, very resourced in our tool bag of different skills and modalities to be able to process things. That's so interesting. And you, you've already touched on this in different ways, but I like how you just talked about like world events and even just how the news is like, it's 
like we get addicted to that stress and what you mentioned just before right of i call that like a fear of feeling good right because you get yeah. so accustomed to this feeling or to the shadow worker just the news right it's just like it's just like this click and this trigger and like you subconsciously your nervous system doesn't realize it but you've, you even called shoot um reenactment it's it's the same yeah. thing as just like art it's like we it's a drug it's like just again it's just pinging again and again and again yeah, yeah. um what is your personal relationship with fear my personal relationship with fear <laughs> um i know you get asked that question every day <laughs> yeah that's a good that's a good question <laughs> i mean it's a good question i would say that my personal like what are my own tendencies with fear well i'm curious for you right because of your your childhood right which is stressful fear-based you know fear response yeah um and then the work that you've done and what you're teaching so I, i'm curious and to even make you more human and also show the possibilities just whatever you feel called to respond to of what is your like relationship with fear whether you know, what has been in the past, what it is now, how do you feel about it? How do you respond because you were able to respond because you were responsible? So yeah. all of those fun things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that, you know, for myself and a lot of my upbringing and just the defense systems that I had active and the triggers that I had, you know, activated from a, from a childhood is that you know, a lot of it around just kind of like my root chakra, my home, mm -hmm. not, not feeling good at home, um, not having any money, um, not feeling abundant. Um, I always felt pretty good about my mind, good about, you know, my, um, uh, my skills and everything. I felt like I was pretty resourced there, but I, um, it was kind of this like, fear of commitment in a way fear mm. of um feeling safe at home feeling fear of like grounding down in one place uh because i never i never really felt safe at home i never really i never really even had a home if you will i never wanted to be at home mm. i always was out playing with my friends and my neighbors and doing stuff in the you know um in the, in the streets you know like playing games and stuff mm -hmm. And so, and I saw that kind of affect me where I like later on in my, you know, early twenties, I always wanted to be around friends. I always wanted to go out and do things. I always wanted to like go party and go, um, you know, I just, I, I was afraid of being alone. Really. I was so afraid of being alone and being by myself and I think I did like the only way to combat fear is to do the actual thing that you're afraid of. Like, that's the only way, you know, um, I actually moved to Sedona, uh, and lived by myself in a little, uh, studio apartment where, you know, Sedona is a, um, most people know about it. Um, it is, a very transient place. It's definitely a very energetic place as well too, but there is, when you live there, especially if you live alone, there's a lot of alone time, a lot of just time sitting with yourself. 
And I spent two years and I went through kind of like my dark night of the soul living there by myself where there's no distractions. And I really was able to tune in and, and, um, not through like, and it was not comfortable. It was not comfortable at all. In the beginning, I wanted to go out and do things, but there literally was no one to like do stuff with. <laughs> and so I literally had to sit with myself and, uh, I ended up starting to get more and more comfortable just being alone and being mm -hmm. by myself. And, uh, I really started to know what is myself and what is other, you know, and now I can come back and Sedona ended up kind of kicking me out in a way you could say I, and also I was like, okay, I need to go back into the world. I'm like mm -hmm. living in my little hobbit hole up here, like not really facing anything, not really, I, I knew inside that I had more potential and that I wanted to bring something to the world. So I had to go back out into the city and bring something. And I think there was like, you know, there was some self-worth fears too. Like, what do people think about me? Um, do, do I even have something to offer? Mm -hmm. You know, I ended up creating somatic release breath work off of, uh, you know, a couple different modalities that I've studied and I've done a ton of fucking sessions, like thousands and thousands of sessions. And I still was just inside of my head. Yeah. Like, is this even, you know, does the world even want this? Like, am I like, who am I to be teaching this? And until I actually created the curriculum, marketed and sold it and had students in my class, did I start to overcome that self-worth? Like a lot of the times self, self-worth issues, the only thing to actually um, overcome that fear is to do the thing that's the most scary. And then, you know, a couple more of my trainings went on and I ended up having like some very high level clinical people in there like some PhD psychologists and doctors. And I was literally like, there comes the self-worth again. Yeah. Like who am I just this guy teaching this fucking modality to doctors and psychologists? Like they're going to rip me apart in there, you know? <laughs> um, and, and then I saw how much they actually received from it, how much they got from it, how, how that I actually have taken all of this time in my life and embodied what I'm bringing to the world and they actually received so much. So my self-worth like muscle jumped up even more. And so doing that hard thing over and over and over again, you start to increase your capacity and, and not like over overwhelming yourself or overloading yes, yourself with that. Important. Cause I think it's, it's important to know where you're at and just push yourself a little bit more you know, a little, do the, the next thing that you're like afraid of. And yeah, I mean, that's been my relationship to fear, my relationship to, to money. You know, I've never really had a lot of money. Yeah. Well, you talk um, about that. So you were afraid of having it. And a lot of people don't realize that this is a real thing. Like you were actually fearful of like receiving and, and there's so many different things that are underneath yeah. that, but what was it for you? Yeah. You know, um, I don't know if I've actually like broken down this completely on a mental level. <laughs> um, We've done the body. We're, see, yeah, we're up to yeah. the top now. Like, like I think, well, money is obviously like a lot of self-worth issues and your ability to receive for what you have created mm -hmm. and the value that you're bringing. And so it started with like just raising my price a little bit. 
you know, every, every I do sessions and I'd raise my price and I, and I could feel that people were getting a lot from it. Mm -hmm. And then I'd raise my price even more. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you start to push yourself a little bit in there, but there's always that little mind piece in the background, that defense system that's going off. That's like, you know, you're not, you know, you don't have a college degree. You don't have a fucking, you know, you don't, who are you to do this? And, and so, you know, I continued to, I continued to kind of raise my price and therefore my nervous system started to be safe and be okay with receiving, with receiving. I think that I spent so much of my life especially in the beginning, um, just giving, I mean, no one, no one goes to become a body worker cause they want to get rich, you know, <laughs> like it's like something that's, you get paid on such a deeper level. And a lot of people that do it are afraid to like charge and they're afraid to like yeah. receive money for it. And I, you know, each time I'd kind of raise my price and then my system started to get used to receiving. And then I started taking myself more seriously. And then I started really putting out my value and putting out my value over and over and over again. Um, until, you know, I, I just kept like pushing myself a little bit more and then, now it's like, okay, I'm, and I'm still working through this. I've definitely right now I have more money than I've ever had. Um, and I think it's, yeah, yeah, (laughs) Um, let's go. It's a, it's a, it's a byproduct of the value that you're bringing to the world. Um, and if you are stuck in a self-defeating prophecy or thinking that you're not worthy, um, then you will continue to be stuck in that until you, I don't know if I'm verbalizing this the best, but until you continue to push yourself a little bit more. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I definitely relate to that. And I like how you brought it back to even like the nervous system getting used to it. Because mm-hmm. yeah, I remember offering things at the beginning and like, I was terrified. I was just like, okay, here comes the part where I have to tell them how much it is. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Communicating yeah. your price with like ease and with confidence in yourself that knowing that what you're providing is actually worth it. And it takes like doing it a couple of times. Like I offered a lot of stuff for free in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, okay, people are getting a lot from this. I'm going to charge this amount. And then like saying your price with confidence and, you know, life doesn't respond to like what you're doing so much as, as it responds to who you are being and what's, and what's being communicated from your electrical system. Like I know we've talked about the nervous system, but your nervous system is communicating thousands and thousands of more information to all of the people around you, um, to everyone. Like it is your electrical system and it is your aura, if you will, like people, Mm -hmm. you know, talk about, I see auras, but your nervous system AKA your chakra system, you know, you have seven different nerve bundles at each of those different seven centers, nerve ganglia, um, Mm -hmm. that radiate electrical signals. And it creates this kind of electrical bubble around you and what's being communicated in that bubble will be picked up by all of the people around you. And the more that you gain confidence in yourself, the more that you take care of yourself, 
the more that you start to bring your expressions and your gifts to the world, the more that people feel that and they, and they also feel safe to receive it because you're in alignment with yourself. I think that like a lot of people talk about, um, you know, manifestation, if you will. And it is manifestation is a, is a nervous system state. It's Mm -hmm. a state of alignment. And it means that your thoughts, what I'm speaking, your war, your, or sorry, my thoughts, you know, what I'm thinking about your words and your actions are all communicating the same thing. You are in congruence with yourself. You know, you are in a state of alignment. You're thinking something, you're saying it, and you're also doing it as well. And that is being communicated from your nervous system and people will feel it. It's a sort of magnetic energy, if you will. And you can always feel when someone is thinking one thing, saying a different thing and doing another thing, that person is not congruent and your system, if you are sensitive enough We'll probably not want to spend time around that person. Actually, yeah, when you said sensitive enough, I didn't highlight that because I loved how you talk about, because for sure I was told I was, you know, sensitive or sweet. And I was like, I don't want to be sensitive because that means I'm weak. But I like how you were, it's like, no, like we could all be more sensitive, like in tune basically. Oh yeah. And able to feel and be in touch with all the senses. So I just think that's, I like that. And, um, yeah, and what you just talked about and the congruence and you mentioned embodiment, which is essentially what that is. And that's the work in which you're doing. And this is just my own curiosity when you, cause a lot of, I imagine this is me assuming a lot of what you're doing is releasing, correct? Like with people. Yeah. So there's two parts to it. You know, there is a lot of the the expression, the discharge, Mm -hmm. and this is really important for people to understand is that you can do trauma release, body work, breath work, all of these different, you know, discharging techniques, these somatic release techniques. Um, And a lot of times if you only do release, like you've just released a lot of people's identity yes (laughs) because people identify with their traumas with their triggers with their they're like that's who i am and that's who i'll always be you know and it's like no you can you can move through that and then okay now that you've released that how do you actually want to feel like fire and wire that back into yourself and if you're familiar with joe dispenza he talks about you know having a clear intention and an elevated emotion And so how do you want to feel? And so getting them to actually shift from releasing all that stuff. Now that you've released it, how do you actually want to feel? Breathe that Mm. in and feel that on on, in every one of your cells, feel that in every one of your cells. And this is so important when people start to talk about like, um, finding their purpose and like living out their purpose and I'm trying to find my, you know, find my Dharma, find my purpose. And it's like, well, I think that most of us are, are identifying that as how it looks like in this world. Like what's you kind of start to take a snapshot of like, okay, this is what I'm going to be doing when I'm living my purpose and I'm going to be living here and 
I'll have this and, you know, this is the house that I'll be in. And, you know, we kind of, and I'll be helping these people. And we start to, we take like a mental snapshot, but it's like, our lives are short. Our lives are long too. Like it's a weird dichotomy and, and things change so much and identifying your purpose with a mental sort of snapshot um, is a lot less likely and will have you a lot more confused than if you identify your purpose about, uh, uh with how you're going to feel when you get there. Cause your feeling sense is your internal compass. So how do you want to feel while you're living your purpose? And so, you know, clearing a lot of, and discharging a lot of that stuff out and then firing and wiring new neural kinetic new somatic sensations of an embodied feeling of how you want to show up in the world and having that clear intention and that elevated emotion within that, and then taking that and starting to apply that to your day-to-day life. Dude, that's beautiful. You answered the question without me even ask, asking it, dude, our nervous system auras are just in sync, bro. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm extending mine all the way into Austin, Texas right now. Cause that's, that's home very soon here. Mm-hmm. Are you actually going to move here? Yeah. I probably will be there by the first of the year. Oh, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. That's fun. And yeah, thank you for touching on that. Like it's cool because you live in what you just said of, and I appreciate this about you is, um, you know, the nuance of the dichotomy of the polarity of like it's an entire spectrum of how even um like any any pole right any polarity is it's the end of two different ends of the same pole right so it's technically the same thing so how i view it right is with love and fear is it's still the same it's universal intelligence Mm -hmm. it's the same thing just a different degree right there's a hermetic saying of opposites are shoot what is it Opposites are identical in nature, but different degree. Absolutely, man. I mean, that was, uh, I first learned that because I was, I was doing a lot of martial arts, jujitsu mm-hmm. specifically, and, uh, I went into the healing arts and it was very, a lot of the body work techniques that I was doing. Um, were very similar positions that I would find myself in jujitsu and it's like the martial arts and the healing arts are on the same, uh, they're different ends of the spectrum and I'm just switching the intention. Yeah. Isn't that so fascinating? So I just appreciate about that about you instead of just saying, this is the one and only way, or this is the answer. It's like, well, it depends who you are, where you're at, what's your capacity that like, you know, yeah what you have and and it goes back to what you saying what you said earlier about knowing yourself versus what is other and that takes lots of practice and quote unquote yeah. mistakes and yeah and that takes practice. A, that takes a daily practice because it's constantly changing changing is the only change is the only thing that's certain mm-hmm. and we it it doesn't stop and you know it doesn't stop till we die <laughs> and still goes on after we die. It still, goes on, yeah. it still goes on after that. So like, it's a, it, it's why it's a practice. It's why I'm a practitioner. And it's a, it's, it's something that if you try to go on this path of becoming sort of consciously aware, 
you are going to have to do it until you're no longer around. Mm, dude, so is there anything on your heart, your body, emotion, yeah. mind, nervous system, all the things that are or are not you <laughs> that you feel called to share? Yeah, brother. I will just say that um, it's been a long time coming. And uh, I finally feel that I am like 100% in alignment sharing uh, what I feel like right now is um, my dharma, my purpose, my passion. And it's taken me probably 10 years to get up to this point. Um, and everything that I've done leading up to this point, whether or not um, I have thought that it's related, has been related in some sort of way. So within this past year, I've had a very expansive year, um, but it's been, it's been 10 years. You know, a lot of people see people and they're like, where did this guy come from? And it's like <laughs> that kind of 10 year overnight success story. You know, you don't see the, the 10 years that someone has put in to actually embody things and to be able to, um, understand things. And even that word understanding is something that it just proves how much of a mentally dominant society we live in. Uh, we think of understanding as I have a mental grasp on things, but to understand something is to be able to stand underneath it and actually lift it up with my physical being. Um, so if you truly understand something, you have embodied it, you have walked it, you have learned on a full spectrum level on a somatic level and therefore you can share it so it takes time and uh yeah it was a, it was absolutely a pleasure and an honor dropping in with you today brother we'll have to do it in person next time i'm there i'll be there end of september dude i'll be here and thank you so much and what you just talked about was have you heard of the metaphor or not even a metaphor a real thing of the bamboo tree like Chinese or Japanese bamboo tree. I'm trying to look it up. Well, we have one, we have a very similar, I've, I think I've heard that we have a very similar uh, metaphor here in the desert, uh, with the century plant, um, with the, uh, agave and, mm. uh, you know, the agave, they call it the century plant where it's like it, nobody knows. And if you guys have seen it, it's kind of like a, um, a circular spherical cactus that has long, spines and um you know it takes sometimes it takes 15 sometimes it takes 30 sometimes it takes 50 years but just sometime overnight it starts to spout out this huge um agave branch mm. and it grow it can grow up to like six feet in like 30 days or something like that but you just never know when it's going to to jump up like that and it, you know, we, we just don't know. We just have to continue to do the thing that feels right to our being. And then eventually our time to expand and our time to, um, <laughs> share our gifts and to share what we've actually embodied and to share the shit that we've gone through and the new adaptive patterns that we've been able to accumulate in our life and share that with the collective because i believe that we are a we are tribal beings and all of us want to 
feel like we are attributing something to the collective. We are attributing something to the tribe. So a lot of the times our deepest wounds and the things that we've overcome are the things that we can eventually share and help other people with those things um, because we've embodied it and mm -hmm. we've gone through it ourselves. That's awesome. Well, Steven, thank you, sir. We have to do the podcasty pluggy things. Where can people connect yeah. with you in a genuine um, embodied way? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, as embodied as Instagram is, <laughs> uh, uh, my handle, that's probably where I'm the most active. My handle is, uh, Jaggers, uh, J R It's J A G G E R S J R. Um, if you want to learn more about somatic release breathwork, you can go to srbreathwork.com. I got some trainings coming up, uh, one here in Phoenix within like, oh shit, it's next week. Um, September 9th through the 12th. I got one in Austin that's almost sold out. Uh, it is the 14th through the 17th of October. Um, that'll be in Austin. And I got um, some online trainings coming out as well. So, And you'll continue to do more and more things. Oh yeah, there'll be, there'll be lots more and, and I'll probably do some events while I'm in Austin in October as well too. So, so we'll connect and reach out to me if you have any, any questions. This is what I do and this is what I love. And I love to talk about it as you can tell. <laughs> Beautiful dude. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, it was a pleasure, brother. All right, y'all make sure you go check out Steven, go connect with him on Instagram or share it on Instagram with the homies, tag me, tag him and let us know what you think and feel because as you just heard feeling is crucial for our nervous system and just our health and wealth and feeling good and if you haven't heard we have a retreat coming up in utah that's october 14th through 17th we have one of steven's breathwork certified students coming to teach and lead breathwork an entire ceremony of releasing trauma which would be awesome I am excited for that for myself. So go to the description to sign up or go to feeling-free.com slash events to sign up. All right. Love you tons. See you soon. <laughs>